Chapter Eight of a Dissertation Concerning the Nature of True Virtue by Jonathan Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Eight In What Respects Virtue or Moral Good is Founded in Sentiment, and How Far It Is Founded in the Reason and Nature of Things that which is called virtue is a certain kind of beautiful nature form or quality that is observed in things that form or quality is called beautiful to any one beholding it to whom it is beautiful which appears in itself agreeable or comely to him or the view or idea of which is immediately pleasant to the mind i say agreeable in itself and immediately pleasant to distinguish it from things which in themselves are not agreeable nor pleasant but either indifferent or disagreeable which yet appear eligible and agreeable indirectly for something else that is the consequence of them or with which they are connected such a kind of indirect agreeableness or eligibleness in things not for themselves but for something else is not what is called beauty but when a form or quality appears lovely pleasing and delightful in itself then it is called beautiful and this agreeable or gratefulness of the idea is what is called beauty it is evident therefore by this that the way we come by the idea or sensation of beauty is by immediate sensation of the gratefulness of the idea called beautiful and not by finding out by argumentation any consequences or other things that it stands connected with any more than tasting the sweetness of honey or perceiving the harmony of a tune is by argumentation on connections and consequences and this manner of being affected with the immediate presence of the beautiful idea depends not therefore on any reasonings about the idea after we have it before we can find out whether it be beautiful or not but on the frame of our minds whereby they are so made that such an idea as soon as we have it is grateful or appears beautiful therefore if this be all that is meant by them who affirm virtue is founded in sentiment and not in reason that they who see the beauty there is in true virtue don't perceive it by argumentation on its connections and consequences but by the frame of their own minds or a certain spiritual sense given them of god whereby the immediately perceived pleasure in the presence of the idea of true virtue in their minds or are directly gratified in the view or contemplation of this object this is certainly true but if thereby is meant that the frame of mind or inward sense given them by god whereby the mind is disposed to delight in the idea or view of true virtue is given arbitrarily so that if he had pleased he might have given a contrary sense and determination of mind which would have agreed as well with the necessary nature of things this i think is not true virtue as i have observed consists in the cordial consent or union of being to being in general and as has also been observed that frame of mind whereby it is disposed to relish and be pleased with the view of this is benevolence or union of heart itself to being in general or a universally benevolent frame of mind because he whose temper is to love being in general therein must have a disposition to approve and be pleased with love to being in general therefore now the question is whether god in giving this temper to a created mind whereby it unites to or loves being in general 
acts so arbitrarily that there is nothing in the necessary nature of things to hinder but that a contrary temper might have agreed or consented as well with that nature of things as this and in the first place i observe that to assert this would be a plain absurdity and contrary to the very supposition for here tis supposed that virtue in its very essence consists in agreement or consent of being to being now certainly agreement itself to being in general must necessarily agree better with general existence than opposition and contrariety to it i observe secondly that god in giving to the creature such a temper of mind gives that which is agreeable to what is by absolute necessity his own temper and nature for as has been often observed god himself is in effect being in general and without all doubt it is in itself necessary and impossible it should be otherwise that god should agree with himself be united with himself or love himself and therefore when he gives the same temper to his creatures this is more agreeable to his necessary nature than the opposite temper yea the latter would be infinitely contrary to his nature let it be noted thirdly by this temper only can created beings be united to and agree with one another this appears because it consists in consent and union to being in general which implies agreement and union with every particular being except such as are opposite to being in general or excepting such cases wherein union with them is by some means inconsistent with union with general existence but certainly if any particular created being were of a temper to oppose being in general that would infer the most universal and greatest possible discord not only of creatures with their creator but of created beings one with another fourthly i observe there is no other temper but this that a man can have and agree with himself or be without self-inconsistence that is without having some inclinations and relishes repugnant to others and that for these reasons every being that has understanding and will necessarily loves happiness for to suppose any being not to love happiness would be to suppose he did not love what was agreeable to him which is a contradiction or at least would imply that nothing was agreeable or eligible to him which is the same as to say that he has no such thing as choice or any faculty of will so that every being who has a faculty of will must of necessity have an inclination to happiness and therefore if he be consistent with himself and has not some inclination repugnant to others he must approve of those inclinations whereby beings desire the happiness of being in general and must be against a disposition to the misery of being in general because otherwise he would approve of opposition to his own happiness for if a temper inclined to the misery of being in general prevailed universally tis apparent it would tend to universal misery but he that loves a tendency to universal misery in effect loves a tendency to his own misery and as he necessarily hates his own misery he has then one inclination repugnant to another and besides it necessarily follows from self-love that men love to be loved by others because in this others love agrees with their own love but if men loved hatred to being in general they would in effect love the hatred of themselves and so would be inconsistent with themselves having one natural inclination contrary to another these things may help us to understand why that spiritual and divine sense by which those that are truly virtuous and holy perceive the excellency of true virtue is in the sacred scriptures called by the name of light 
knowledge understanding etc if this divine sense were a thing arbitrarily given without any foundation in the nature of things it would not properly be called by such names for if there were no correspondence or agreement in such a sense with the nature of things any more than there would have been in a diverse or contrary sense the idea we obtain by this spiritual sense could in no respect be said to be a knowledge or perception of anything besides what was in our own minds for this idea would be no representation of anything without but since it is otherwise since it is agreeable in the respects above mentioned to the nature of things and especially since tis the representation and image of the moral perfection and excellency of the divine being hereby we have a perception of that moral excellency of which we could have no true idea without it and it being so hereby persons have that true knowledge of god which greatly enlightens the mind in the knowledge of divine things in general and does as might be shown if it were necessary to the main purpose of this discourse in many respects assist persons to a right understanding of things in general to understand which our faculties were chiefly given us and which do chiefly concern our interests and assists us to see the nature of them and the truth of them in their proper evidence whereas the want of this spiritual sense and the prevalence of those dispositions that are contrary to it tends to darken and distract the mind and dreadfully to delude and confound men's understandings and as to that moral sense common to mankind which there is in natural conscience neither can this be truly said to be no more than a sentiment arbitrarily given by the creator without any relation to the necessary nature of things but is established in an agreement with the nature of things so as no sense of mind that can be supposed of a contrary nature and tendency could be this will appear by these two things one this moral sense if the understanding be well informed and be exercised at liberty and in an extensive manner without being restrained to a private sphere approves the very same things which a spiritual and divine sense approves and those things only though not on the same grounds nor with the same kind of approbation therefore as that divine sense has been already shown to be agreeable to the necessary nature of things so this inferior moral sense being so far correspondent to that must also so far agree with the nature of things two it has been shown that this moral sense consists in approving the uniformity and natural agreement there is between one thing and another so that by the supposition it is agreeable to the nature of things for therein it consists videlis a disposition of mind to consent to or like the agreement of the nature of things or the agreement of the nature in form of one thing with another and certainly such a temper of mind as likes the agreement of things to the nature of things is more agreeable to the nature of things than an opposite temper of mind here it may be observed as the use of language is for mankind to express their sentiments or ideas to each other so that those terms in language by which things of a moral nature are signified are to express those moral sentiments or ideas that are common to mankind therefore tis that moral sense which is in natural conscience that chiefly governs the use of language among mankind and is the mind's rule of language in these matters among mankind tis indeed the general natural rule which god has given to all men whereby to judge of moral good and evil by such words right and wrong good and evil when used in a moral sense 
is meant in common speech that which deserves praise or blame respect or resentment but as has been often observed mankind in general have a sense of desert by this natural moral sense therefore here may arise a question which may deserve to be considered videlis that seeing it is thus that sentiment among mankind is the rule of language as to what is called by the name of good and evil worthy and unworthy and tis apparent that sentiment at least as to many particulars by some means or other is different in different persons in different nations that being thought to deserve praise by one which by others is thought to be worthy of blame how therefore can virtue and vice be any other than arbitrary not at all determined by the nature of things but by the sentiments of men with relation to the nature of things in order to the answering this question with clearness it may be divided into two the daily set whether men's sentiments of moral good and evil are not arbitrary or rather casual and accidental and whether the way of their using words in what they call good and evil is not arbitrary without respect to any common sentiment in all conformed to the nature of things as to the first i would observe that the general disposition or sense of mind exercised in a sense of desert of esteem or resentment may be the same in all though as to particular objects and occasions with regard to which it is exercised it may be very various in different men or bodies of men through the partiality or error that may attend the view or attention of the mind in all a notion of desert of love or resentment may consist in the same thing in general Videli said a suitableness or natural uniformity and agreement between the affections and acts of the agent and the affections and treatment of others some way concerned or the natural agreement between love or something that some way implies love or proceeds from it or tends to it and love a natural agreement between treating well and being well treated the natural agreement between hating or something that some way partakes of the nature of hatred and being hated etc i say this general notion of desert may be the same and yet occasions and objects through variety of apprehensions about these occasions and objects and the various manner in which they are viewed by reason of the partial attention of the mind may be extremely various and example custom education and association may have a hand in this in ways innumerable but tis needless to dwell long on this since things which have been said by others mr hutcheson in particular may abundantly show that the differences which are to be found among different persons and nations concerning moral good and evil are not inconsistent with a general moral sense common to all mankind nor secondly is the use of the words good and evil right and wrong when used in a moral sense altogether unfixed and arbitrary according to the variety of notions opinions and views that occasion the forementioned variety of sentiment for though the signification of words is determined by use yet that which governs in the use of terms is general or common use and mankind in what they would signify by terms are obliged to aim at a consistent use because it is easily found that the end of language which is to be a common medium of manifesting ideas and sentiments cannot be obtained any other way than by a consistent use of words both that men should be consistent with themselves and one with another in the use of them but men can't call anything right or wrong worthy or ill-deserving consistently any other way than by calling things so 
which truly deserve praise or blame that is things wherein all things considered there is most uniformity in connecting with them praise or blame there is no other way that they can use these terms consistently with themselves thus if thieves or traitors may be angry with informers that bring them to justice and call their behaviour by odious names yet herein they are inconsistent with themselves because when they put themselves in the place of those that have injured them they approve the same things they condemn and therefore such are capable of being convinced that they apply these odious terms in an abusive manner so a nation that prosecutes an ambitious design of universal empire by subduing other nations with fire and sword may affix terms that signify the highest degrees of virtue to the conduct of such as show the most engaged stable resolute spirit in this affair and do most of this bloody work but yet they are capable of being convinced that they use these terms inconsistently and abuse language in it and so having their mouths stopped and not only will men use such words inconsistently with themselves but also with one another by using them any otherwise than to signify true merit or ill-deserving as before explained for there is no way else wherein men have any notion of good or ill-desert that mankind in general can agree in mankind in general seem to suppose some general standard or foundation in nature for an universal consistence in the use of the terms whereby they express moral good and evil which none can depart from but through error and mistake this is evidently supposed in all disputes they may have one with another about right and wrong and in all endeavours used to evince or prove that anything is either good or evil in a moral sense end of chapter eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of a dissertation concerning the nature of true virtue by jonathan edwards